the Audible presented by Verizon Dolphin fans. The 5G America's been waiting for is here. Only from Verizon. Learn more on verizon.com slash 5G. And remember, you can watch the Audible every Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. on WFR CBS 4 Miami. And you can download the podcast from all your favorite streaming platforms and MiamiDolphins.com. We're going to take a look back at the game uh, against the Denver Broncos today. We'll go ahead and have a sit down with the linebacker Landon Roberts, Roberts, who seems to be blowing people up, no doubt about that. And then we'll uh, uh, we'll go behind enemy lines, take a look at the uh, New York Jets, the opponent this week, and then we'll have some X's and bows when we get to the end. But uh, to get started off with uh, Morgan Morgan Law, we're going to take our look back. And John, looking back at that game, and boy, it, it looked like it looked like three of the last five games uh, in that first quarter when first series you go three and out, and then you. You force the turnover. X comes up with the interception. You punch it in. You here we go again. It's going to be another one of those games. But after that, uh, everything kind of fell apart. And John, I don't know about you, but I just felt like this football team, the Dolphins football team, really never got into sync on either side of the football. Special teams played well enough, but on either side of the football, offense and defense, I think they were. I think they lost the battle at the line of scrimmage, both ways, and it, it just seemed like it was a a disjointed effort to me. Well, I agree with you, Bo. I think it was a flat effort after the initial interception and the touchdown throw from Tua to Parker in the end zone. I, I think the Dolphins got off to that start, what made you feel like, here we go again. This is going to be set up by defense and special teams. The offense is going to get get it done just enough to be able to keep that touchdown or 10-point lead and maybe expound upon that in the second half. But this is how the Dolphins are going to win games. And then I, I believe, you know, it was it was funny because Drew Locke, who's thrown the most interceptions in the National Football League, Denver's given up the football more than anybody in the National Football League. They all of a sudden turned into, you know, the Grinch. They didn't give anything up. Right. And, and he was, you know, hitting on big plays in the passing game. They had a one-two punch in combination with Lindsey and Gordon being able to run the football. And as you said, Bo, I thought – Miami Dolphins, the poorest outing, I think, by the offensive line, not being able to win their one-on-one matchups, yeah. not picking up, you know, simple twists at the yeah. line of scrimmage. And then on defense, if it was like the Green Bay Packers or, you know, it was, it was the college sweep. You know, yeah. it was like, here comes the counter. Here comes the counter. You can't stop it. We're going to run it again. Yeah. And that's exactly what Denver did. They went old school on the Miami Dolphins with a couple of explosive plays in the passing game, and that was enough. Hey, you know, and they kept running them over and over. It's one of those situations. They look, we're going to run it. We'll run it to both sides until you stop it. We're going to keep running it. And you know, it. You know, this team, the defensively, this team has gotten better over the last handful, or last month or so, at setting the edges and playing perimeter defense. Well, that went out the door yesterday because you know it, it seemed like every time that Denver ran it, and no matter who was was running it, you know, whoever whoever was running the football always seemed to have that two way go. You know, where there was. You know, if that if that if that that Ed got it, set the edge got up the field, there was nobody to take the cut back and cuts back and picks up big yards. And if they if they played the cut back, there was nobody out there setting the edge to turn it back in. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, 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 a probably the poorest effort we've seen out of the defensive front and the offensive line. I thought, well, I'm, I'm right with you. The games, the games just confused these guys. They, they were. You know, there's a couple of times where Jesse Davis, they needed, they had need, needed to know whether they were man to man or whether there was zone blocking because one bumped each other off and one bumped the other guy off. 
Other times they both went for the same guy. Someone else come. So yeah, it was just a, an uneven record. John and, and John, you know what I was thinking? And I, I don't, I still think they played hard. I'm not, I'm not. Oh I, yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. I got nothing to say about their effort, but right. you've won five games in a row. All of a sudden the national media is, is, is on. And I watched, I watched all the pregame shows on Sunday. Everybody's picking the dolphins. Everyone's got Co- coach flows, the coach of the year. I mean, this was the crescendo uh, at the end of the day. Everyone's going, yeah, the Dolphins, this, the Dolphins, that. And, and and I've been in those situations before, John. I've been in situations where you've played real well. And all. And I always say, you know, you. I find myself in a situation before where you, where you, you prepare like you do each and every week, right? Do the same things. Do your preparation game day. Get up at the same time. Get in the car, drive to the stadium at the same time. Put your shoes and socks on at the same time. And then you get out on the field and go, man, I just don't, I don't, I don't know that I'm ready to go here, you know? So you try and you try and you try. And then you get in the huddle and you look around and everybody's got the same look in their eye that you got. And you go, oh, we're in trouble today. (laughs) And I think that was one of those days maybe that the Dolphins had. Yeah. And I think Tua probably felt a lot of that too, because, you know, quarterbacks deal with pressure and they deal with, free guys coming all the time. They have to, you know, either get rid of the football, throw it away, sidestep, buy some time and make a play. But when you're a young quarterback and you have so little starts underneath your belt and you're trying to grow the offense and try to come into your own as the fifth pick overall in last year's draft, um, you kind of have a lot of pressure on your shoulders. Not that he did never had it at Alabama. He had the world on his shoulders at Alabama because everybody was watching them. But as you said, five wins in a row, you're in the National Football League now, and you're expected to keep elevating your game each week. And I think, you know, some of those orange flashes of, of different colored jerseys were, were actually, you know, bothersome yeah. to the entire offense. It was bothersome to the timing in the pass offense. It was bothersome to Ahmed, who couldn't really get started other than a couple of runs. And I think it was bothersome to Tua to a certain extent because it threw off the overall timing you know, there wasn't a whole lot of wide open windows for him to deliver the football. When he was finding Devontae Parker, they were covered. And most of the time he was covered. And he put the ball in a good spot where Devontae could handle it, make a reception, and really fall down. There was no run after catch opportunities, you know, yet, you know, in that game. So I, I think everybody kind of felt that heat. Everybody had that feeling that you expressed about, you know, you, you went through the same things to get here, but you're just not – having it done it's just not working for some reason and it was just one of those days and Denver found a way to click from off to on in the beginning of that game and they found a way to get their traction going and get what they needed to do make the plays they needed to make to win a football game obviously the biggest story coming out of the game is the uh the decision by coach Flores late in the fourth quarter you still got an opportunity to tie the football game up uh, and then force overtime or maybe go for the win uh, and, and he chooses to go ahead and, and pull Tua and put, put Fitz in. And at the time, you know, that last play that Tua was in, he kind of got he got sacked and his kind of his foot kind of got tweaked. And I thought maybe that was part of the reason he said no. And Tua said no, that wasn't the reason. They just brought Fitz in to get a, a, a spark. And, and I don't have a problem with it, um, John. But well, I tell you what, the the national the national voices, boy, really jumped all over this. The same. The same voices that were calling for Coach Flores to be a, a sure, you know, coach of the year. You know, he's give go ahead and give him the trophy now. Now all of a sudden they're going, well, I don't understand that. 
I don't know why I made that decision. What were your thoughts when you saw uh, Fitz go in that late in the ball game? Listen, my gut feeling, I wanted Tua to play so well, and, yeah. he, and he didn't get it done, and the yeah. team didn't get it done. It just wasn't one person. Yeah. But I thought it was the right and correct call to put Ryan Fitzpatrick in because the things that Tua wasn't doing really well in the game, Fitz does extremely well. Yeah. He feels pressure before it comes. He moves his body and moves the protection away from that pressure, and he's able to anticipate it and get rid of the football before guys are even open. And that's what you needed to have happen. And he wasn't greedy. He started cherry-picking underneath, you know, checking down, checking down, until all of a sudden some of that stuff opened up. And I thought he did a really nice job of showing Tua by example yep. how he could have attacked the Broncos, but he had to get out there to do it. You can only say so much. And I, I thought it was a good decision by Coach Flores to, to really give the Dolphins one more chance, to give them their best chance to win at the end of the game. That wasn't a knock on Tua. It was, it was a praise for a guy that really has played well and has seen all kind of defenses that you can insert him into a game with very little reps during the week of practice and think that he could be successful and rally your team. He was a player two away, Bo, from either tying the football game or winning it with a two-point conversion. Yeah, no doubt. He, he goes down and, and, uh, and puts that ball in the end zone, goes for a two-point conversion, wins it. And Coach Flores is the smartest coach in the NFL, and, and Ryan's the best backup in the, in the National Football, football League. Yes. That's what we're talking about. But, look, I understood the move. And, and, and look, that, that offensive line hadn't protected Tua all day long. Uh, he was under duress the whole time. I think he got hit ten times. He was sacked six times. And that wasn't going to change if he went back in there. So, uh, and, and look, I, I think Tua, you, when you heard from Tua afterwards, look, th this guy is mature behind his years. And he understands the situation, understands exactly. And said, look, I was fine with it. That's what Fitz is here for. Let's move on. And so we're going to go ahead and move on. And now it's time for a sit down with a Landon Roberts today. It's going to be amplified by Hard Rock Hotel. And, and, and John Alandon is one of those guys that, uh, you know, when he gets an opportunity to play, I tell you what, he, you talk about a guy that comes through the line of scrimmage and, and carries, a, carries a load with him. When he hits somebody, they stay hit. Yeah, he's a guy that you're, you want on your team. And that middle linebacker, he's a good communicator. He's a terrific leader, and he's productive, you know, not only in stopping the run, but being able to be a force in pressuring the pocket, being able to get his hand in the way in pass coverage. He does a lot of really good things, but his leadership – and his production had been really uh, what the Dolphins needed in the middle of that defense. You've been nicked up in there. Uh, Van Noy's been in and out. Uh, and so, so having a Landon Robert be able to come in and, and, and really step into that inside role and get Van Ginkle on the outside when, you know, taking over that spot for Van Noy. But nice to have those guys on. And it's nice to see, uh, you know, short yardage and everything. But I tell you, you can sometimes you don't even have to look at it. You can hear the hits from a Landon. And, and know where they're coming from. So let's hear what he had to say when you spoke to him, John. Happy to be joined by Miami Dolphins linebacker, Alandon Roberts. And Alandon, the game in Denver wasn't the result the Miami Dolphins wanted, but the start was. And it seemed like it was the same script uh, from the past couple of weeks. The defense gets out, they get an interception, a turnover uh, by X, and provide the offense with excellent field position. Tua gets Parker in the end zone, and you guys were off to the races. Did you guys feel like that early momentum was something you were going to build on? Oh, of course. You know, you always want to have fast starts in games. You always want to 
you know, if you can have a fast start, even with a turnover, that's always, you know, a plus, you know, and um, we, we, we has, you know, great momentum, you know what I'm saying, at the beginning. Yeah, it seemed like you guys really did. It was one of those games that were going to hold true to the script over the last couple of weeks where you either it was defense or special teams or offensively something was going to happen. You made a couple of big stops in the game. That one on fourth and one, can you take us through that that play? You came like a, a rocket from the linebacker position and in, to the line of scrimmage. That was a big momentum change for the Dolphins on defense. Well, you know, uh, our front seven been playing, you know, our, our, our nose and our tackles. They all been playing good football. And just on that play, you know, if you see, you know, Raekwon Davis did a good job, you know, one-on-one -on, -one on that uh, nose and stuff like that. And I knew backside that them guys were going to do a good job. So I just trusted my teammates fit. And we all was able to make that uh, fourth and one stop. You know, I know a lot of times, you know, players, you know, get the credit for it. But the bigger picture, it was a whole front seven. We, we all, you know what I'm saying, was able to execute, you know, what a boy you call and get that fourth down stop. Yeah, you're right. You know what? It isn't always one player on a, in a big win or, or a loss like in Denver. You guys lose 20 to 13. And it seemed like defensively, you just couldn't slow down uh, Gordon or Lindsey on the ground, especially on the edge of the defense. When you take a look back at the game and when you go through it in your mind, what was the biggest difference for you guys not being able to slow those guys down with that rushing attack they had? Um, I just think, uh, you know, just because it's fresh right after the game and stuff like that, that we just got to dig in deep, watch the film, you know, see what's causing what and stuff like that and then correct it, you know. Uh, you rather have them type of games early in the season than late in the season. So, you know, of course, it was a tough loss. I, or, you know, the whole team hate to lose, you know. But now you see the corrections that you need to make that's going to take you into later on in the season where you know them, you know what I'm saying, them corrections is made and that you can execute it when it's, you know what I'm saying, called. You know, Atlanta, it seems like when you get later in the season, no matter what level of football, especially at the National Football League level, games are harder to win. Have you found that? in terms of your progression in the National Football League, where when you get deeper in the season, no matter who the opponent is, no matter what their record is, it's always about you guys, you know, doing your job because those guys are either fighting for the playoffs or they're fighting for their jobs. It doesn't really matter what the scenario is. It's just tough to win games late in the season. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, that's why I'm glad yesterday happened, you know, because we are able to fix that as a defense and fix, you know, what teams are trying to do to us. So later on in the season, they won't be able to do it because we already seen what we need to do to make sure, you know, these plays don't leak out on us and stuff like that. So, you know, I it's a tough loss, but I take the positive from it. And, you know, now you're able to learn from it and move on. And like every week, this this is a one game season, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm so you gotta you gotta take it one game at a time because you start looking too far ahead. Then, you know what I'm saying, you run into, run into a lot of stuff that you ain't trying to run into. I'm glad you said that because I would think there's no better way to bounce back from a loss and get to 1-0 this week than against an AFC East rival in the New York Jets. You go on the road. Um, it, it's one of those games where you feel like, all right, let's correct what we can correct from Denver. Let's get back to playing our, our style, our schemes, uh, the, the way we're accustomed to doing it, and getting back on that winning track. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, it's always good to uh, 
you know, get back on the winning track. You know, we we got to dive in this week. You know, the Jets, they're, very, they're a good team. You know, you can't look at their record and stuff like that and, and whatnot and think that you're going to be able to execute just because off of a team's record. Everybody's in the NFL, so we got to prepare hard this week and we got to, you know, put all our, you know, after today, after we make these corrections, we have to turn the page and put a, a great weekend for the New York Jets. Landon, lastly, do you prepare any differently when facing a veteran like Joe Flacco than maybe a younger guy in Sam Darnold, other than Darnold might have a little bit more movement skills and able to tuck it and run? Are, are there little things that you kind of put in your memory chest on how you're trying to prepare for each different style of quarterback? Yeah, you you, you have to. You know, if somebody got on here and said, yeah, I, I kind of just look at them all the same. It's, it's no way, you know, because uh, Donald bring a certain aspect that and Donald bring a certain aspect that Flacco don't and Flacco bring a certain aspect that uh, 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 Donald don't, you know, they both have their own tendency. So you have to dive in and know that, you know, know that the game can change when it's Flacco or with Donald, you know, so you just have to prepare for both. Well, Landon, thanks for joining us today. Let's get back to one and oh this week against the Jets and get back on that winning track. Good luck to you up in, up in New York. Thank you, man. Now it's time to go behind enemy lines presented by AutoNation, where Dolphin fans can sell their vehicles for cash right now. Just visit AutoNation.com. Well, it's our second chance to see the, the New York Jets, and one thing hasn't changed, John. They still haven't won a game yet. <laughs> Bo, you take pleasure. You take so much pleasure in saying that. That's great. That's they a true Dolphin that, right they there. They still got that big Ofer hanging over their, their <laughs> hanging over their heads right there. And, John, I got to tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than that. <laughs> throw fireman ed right in there too bo there that's great fireman ed just get jay you can go ahead and get all you this fireman ed may have quit again he quit one year he about five years ago he quit he said i've had enough i'm not coming back and then when they got uh sam darnold he was back in the front he's row back he, yeah he, he's back in uh in Totowa, new jersey or somewhere now <laughs> so i don't think he's back but this football team john well, I tell you, I, I I don't know what you say about these guys. Joe Flacco, you know, you know, Darnold's still out. Joe Flacco's there, uh, and you know, I, I've never seen. I don't know if I've ever seen a football team in the NFL as inept as this Jet team has been this year. Is that fair? Well, I I think that's fair. The record proves that. Um, they've been in some games, but not a lot of games. Yeah. And it seems like it's always the backdoor cover. You know, it's always the Jets scoring points at the end of a game where you kind of go, well, that game was pretty close. But then you kind of watch the game and see the highlights. And it was a two touchdown game for, you know, the majority of 60 minutes. And again, that happened, you know, against the Chargers, uh, you know, offensively. Who are you going to see? Is it going to be Flacco? Probably uh, Sam Darnold still nursing a, an injury to the shoulder. So you may see him, you may not. It might be a game time decision, but you know you've got you've got Frank Gore still trying to get it done in the backfield. You've got you know an offensive line that's kind of been hit or miss, and you've got a defense that ranks kind of in the middle to the end. You know every every statistic, meaningful statistic in the National Football League on both sides of the football are deep into the twenties and in the in the thirties. And if you're in the thirties in the National Football League, it's not very good. No. So you, it's going to be a clear indication of your record. And right now, you know, Adam Gase has his hands full just trying to 
field a healthy football team, get a team out there that's competitive and has a chance to win every week. He's got to spend some time beating the wolves off and jumping off his back either because, you know, they're all over him up in New York. But you look at this football team and, and, and there's no one really jumps out of you. You talk about Frank Gore, you know, Denzel Mims, a nice guy. Jamison Crowder has done some good stuff for him. Quinnen Williams, their first round draft pick last year. He's a beast back there. But, but really it's this, you know, this is a football game. You know, John, I, I think when I look at this game, you know, you've got to prepare for the Jets. You've got a game plan. They're, they're a National Football League team, no doubt about that. You can't overlook them. But to me, this is more about the Dolphins getting back into their own heads and getting back to where they were two, three, four weeks ago, where the defense was playing tough. They were getting pressure on the quarterback. Guys were getting off of their blocks, you know, disengaging and making plays. And offensively, that line was protecting uh, the quarterback, whether it was, whether it was uh, uh, you know, uh, whether it was Tua or whether it was Fitzpatrick. And the running game still wasn't what you wanted to be, but at least it was giving you a little bit of something there. And, and so somehow, some way this week in the Meadowlands, the Dolphins need to get their focus back on themselves and, and playing mistake-free football as close as they can. Because, look, don't, 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 don't – if the Dolphins go out and play like they did uh, in Denver, you know, the, the Jets may get their first win this weekend. And, and why would – as much as I'm happy to see them floundering in the, in, the, in the muck of the Meadowlands, I don't want them to come up and get healthy against the Dolphins. No, that's the last thing the Miami Dolphins want. And I agree with you, Bo. There should be a lot more thumbs pointing at individuals that are wearing the aqua and orange than index fingers, you know, looking at the Jets and what they can do to you. I think there's enough on the Miami Dolphins plate after going over the Denver Broncos film, you know, by Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. They had to get that out of their system. They have to get back to playing efficient football on offense. They have to be able to make sure there's, they have a hat on a hat at the line of scrimmage. They have to be able to pressure the pocket, no matter if it's Darnold or Flacco. You know, if it's Darnold, you maybe rush him a little bit different because he has a little bit more mobility than Joe. But uh, both guys can, you know, beat you from the pocket. And they do have some playmakers. If you give them some confidence, if you give the Jets a reason to participate, they're going to participate. They can still get after you on defense. It's not a bad defensive 11 when you look at the names and you look at some of the guys and what they're capable of. But it's all up to the Dolphins. If they allow them to stay in the football game, it will be a 60-minute game. If the Dolphins can get out and do what they do best, get out to a, a quick start, a fast start in all three phases, be able to score some points and, and dictate how the tempo and the pace goes and the rhythm of the game goes, I think they'll be okay on, on the road. Yeah, I, you know, the one thing, John, I touched on a little bit earlier, I really would love to see this running game try to get a little more – You'd like to see a game where you've got you know, 130, 150 yards rushing. And look, I don't care if it's three running backs to get you there, but uh, you know you've you've, you've got to you've got to be able to run the football to make this offense work, especially with Tua in it, as efficiently as possible. Because if you can't, then then you're going to see more and more teams do the same thing that that Denver did: is just tee off on them and and just just come after them and uh, and run all kinds of games. And, and quite frankly, even the games that were running, John, there were nothing that you don't see each and every week. There were T, T, you know, T and E games, T and simple, T games. And simple things. Simple stuff. But, you know, guys, guys need to get their, their heads in the shoe. Look, I don't it, – it's, it's, you know, I told you, we were 11-0 one year and went to San Diego to play and, and stunk up the whole stunk, – stunk up the Murphy in a, in a really big way there. <laughs> and uh, so it can happen to anybody. And, and sometimes you start reading your, 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 your own clippings and, 
and it's easy to start feeling better about yourself. And, and maybe you don't give the, you, you don't, maybe, you know, maybe you kind of cut corners a little bit. Uh, uh, along well, the way. I've, I've met, you know, you mentioned that running game. I think Ahmed's done a terrific job for what he's been asked to do. And I think he's going to continue to do that. He's got but, but John, I think he's got to be more, you've got to be, you, you got to be more consistent. It's got to be, you know, you can't, you can't bust off a run for nine, 10, 12 yards, one run, and then have three through the next three runs where you get a, a yard, you know? Yeah. That's a shared responsibility. Yes. And, and I, and I think up front, uh, those guys would attest to that. Sometimes there's just nowhere to go. Yeah. And anytime you see that colored Jersey in the backfield, you've got to reroute before you almost, you know, are at the, you know, getting the football right. from the quarterback. That's a tough, you know, in that, that exchange point, that's a tough deal for a running back to, to kind of get positive yards on that run. So I, I think two things need to happen in this offense up front. They've got to fix uh, the protection and they've got to be able to get off the football in the running game. If those things happen, Tua is going to be able to navigate the rest. He's going to be able to throw guys open. He's going to be able to buy some time and make some plays and extend some plays. But if those first two things don't happen, you'll see this team continue to struggle yeah. and you're looking for the defense and you're looking to win field position on special teams to make it easier to find points. They have to fix those two things going in, not only against the Jets, but it gets tough to win late in the season in the National yep. Football League. Yep. You better be able to do that against Cincinnati and especially when you get to New England and Kansas City down the road. Yeah. Look, I'm not turning on this team. I think they're a good football team, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, – we, we still got a lot of good things to look forward to. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think they just maybe got ahead of themselves for a week. Let's kind of reel it back in, just get back to doing the basics uh, and, and get that done, uh, and then we'll move on, move on from there. Time now for X's and O's, and why not talk about it? Thanksgiving week, and Thanksgiving is always a great day for the National Football League. A lot of turkey to eat, a lot of games to watch, and you know the only thing I miss about Thursday, about Thanksgiving Thursdays now is not not having Barry Sanders on the Detroit Lions because that in itself used to be one of the biggest treats on Thanksgiving. You're right; that was entertainment because you knew he was going to pull off a probably a 14 to 16 yard run and probably run for about. 65 yards to get those 14 <laughs> or 16 right. yards. And you could always count on him having a leg of the Turkey at the end of the yep. game, because he was probably the star of the game. Yep. No doubt about it. My, my uh, Thanksgiving day experience, we played a Thanksgiving day, 1977, which was my rookie year. It was actually my, my second year, but I was injured. I was on injury reserve my whole rookie year. So that was my rookie year. We went up there and we had four defensive, four defensive rookies starting that game. Myself, Norris Thomas, AJ Dewey, and Bob Baumhauer. At the time, St. Louis was the hottest team in the league. They'd won six or seven in a row. And there were two writers down here in South Florida, Ed Playstead, who wrote for the Hollywood Sun Tattler. I don't think anyone even has ever even heard of that newspaper. And uh, Bernie Lincecum, who was writing for the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel at the time. And both of them said, I don't even know why the Dolphins are going up there. They're going to be the Thanksgiving dinner for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, and, the, and the Hollywood paper put a, drew a picture, had a picture drawn in of a turkey with all a bunch of necks coming out, had all of our heads sticking out <laughs> like we're going to be dinner. So, 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 so we go up there and and uh, very good football team. And that team was an offensive line was Conrad Dobler, Tom Banks, Big Bob Young, who was the strongest player in the National Football League. Dan Deerdorf was on that team. Yeah, uh, Jim Hart was a quarterback. Terry Metcalf. They were a really good football team, and we went up and just tore them apart. Greece Greece threw six touchdown passes. No way, that's awesome. 
driven in that more, and we just harassed them all day. So during the game, AJ AJ's instigating Dobler and and Bob Young, and, as only AJ could do. They could. <laughs> Bob Bob Baumhauer is a rookie playing nose tackle, and AJ keeps going, "Hey." Dobler, that rookie's kicking your butt. Whenever <laughs> he come back to the huddle, Bob would go, AJ, shut up, man. Shut up. <laughs> because every time you yell at him, then they triple He's team. mad, yeah. And I'll go in his knees and stuff. <laughs> so we're going on and on. So about the middle of the third quarter in the game, Steve Toll, our starting linebacker, goes down on the field. Vern Denherter had blown his knee out earlier in the game. Steve Toll goes down with an injury. And while they're dragging him off the field, he says, take me by the huddle, right? So they drag him, drag, drag him by the huddle, and uh, he sticks his head, and he goes, it was Dobler. It was Dobler. <laughs> <laughs> so that set everybody off. So on the next play, we, you know, we need a linebacker because Steve's hurt. And all of a sudden, I look over, and we have this offensive lineman from Kentucky who looked like uh, – who, who looked like uh, – he looked like Satan. <laughs> And uh, so Coach Shula sent him in. He was an offensive guard. Wally Pursuit was his name. So he was the defenseman in hockey coming in to settle the score. Oh, that's right. Coach <laughs> sent him in and said, line up over Dobler. <laughs> and so this is Thanksgiving Day. Everyone's having their turkey dinner. And all of a sudden, I'm playing outside linebacker. We, drop, we have a double zone. I drop into my zone and kind of settle it about 8 to 10 yards. And I look next to me and I see Wally Pursuit. He's got Conrad Dober by the face mask. He's jerking it back and forth <laughs> and he's running past me. Then he bulldogs him. I went and jumped on him. And next thing you know, both branches cleared. The, 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 the game was stopped for about a half hour. I think everybody on the team on both sides got fined. And, and the one thing we watched, I remember watching the tape or watching the film afterwards of it. And, and all you could, you know, you're seeing all the fights and the skirmishes all over the field. And, and we saw Dan Dow, our equipment guy, walking around the field, picking up all the St. Louis elbow um, pads. All pads the equipment? Throwing it in his bag and bring it over to our <laughs> sideline. <laughs> we need a couple extra knee pads, a couple uh, elbow pads. That's, right. oh, the only, That's problem great. Is, you know, only problem is the next week we had guys wearing them where we played. They are wearing red elbow red. pads. <laughs> <laughs> But that was my, that was my lone experience with uh, with uh, with playing on uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and uh, and it certainly was a a very memorable one. That that sounded like it was a lot of fun to partake in, especially the next day watching it on film had to be outstanding. Well, well, I tell you the 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 the, 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 the kicker to it was that before we went out for the game, Bob Kuchenberg and Jim Langer said, "Hey, when the game's over, when we win, nobody talk to Playstead or Bernie Lincecum." So, you know, so game's over. We win. We're in the locker room, jumping up and down. Everyone's happy. And all of a sudden, Cooch looks over and he sees someone talking to Ed Playstead. And, and Ed, Ed, Ed Playstead was about, he was probably 5'6", maybe 5'7", shaped like a bowling ball. I mean, you know, <laughs> narrow, and it had, you know he, had, he had a butt that was about yay wide, wider than the screen. And uh, so, so Cooch, and, Cooch and Langer see him, they go over. They pick Playstead up, carry him towards the shower. Coach Shula was doing his press conference right next to the shower. He goes, hey, where's he, where are you guys going with him? <laughs> <laughs> carried him in the shower. Throw him in the shower, coach. <laughs> carried him in the shower, turned the showers on, and wouldn't let him out. So uh, that, was, that was the way that one ended. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect Thanksgiving to me. 
Yeah, I think you know. I think everyone. I think well, we all enjoyed it. I was no, no doubt about that. I'm not sure about the. I'm not sure about the St. St. Louis Cardinals and Ed Playstead. Sure <laughs> those, yeah, those those guys didn't enjoy it much. That's great. Bob. Oh no, no, no. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, you know, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, it's, it's always fun and, and great experience. I, I know John. I know you guys down at St. Thomas Aquinas. They always have a Thanksgiving uh, uh, where you can go out, go watch practice, and you just get a pretty good group of alumni heading back there, don't you? Yeah, usually uh, guys come back from I don't know how many years, as far as probably when I played football or even before at, at St. Thomas, and they're always in the playoffs, so you always get to go down on a Thursday night after you have your Thanksgiving meal and, and kind of watch practice if you have a son on the team or you know, you're an uncle of a player, whatever it is. If you played there, you can go watch. And uh, those are always uh, fun times to reminisce with other players and, and get to meet some of the current guys that are on the team and wish them well in their game uh, the next night. So that's always a nice uh, tradition. They, they started and continue to this day. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, John, pleasure being with you again this week. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Let's hope we are celebrating next week, Bo. I, I hope so. No, no doubt about it. Uh, so uh, so have, a, have a good week and we'll catch up with you next time. Remember now, The Audible presented by Verizon. Dolphin fans, the 5G America's been waiting for is here. Only from Verizon. Learn more on verizon.com slash 5G. And remember, you can watch The Audible every Saturday night, 7.30 on WFR, CBS 4 Miami. You can download the podcast on all your favorite streaming platforms and miamidolphins.com. For John Kinjemi, I'm Kim Bocamper. Stay safe, and we'll speak to you again next week. Oh.